guys, welcome to the Rooted Not Buried podcast. I'm Smyrna. I'm Danielle. I'm Ashley. And I'm Elsie. We are a diverse group of college girls who have a desire to share our personal testimonies, shed light on relevant issues in society, and help others find the happiness that we have found in Christ. We'll be having challenging, honest, and at times uncomfortable conversations about identity, relationships, church hurt, and trauma. We're here to set a precedent that we all need room to grow in hopes to provide safe spaces for conversation. Join us on this journey as we learn and grow in Christ. Okay, good afternoon, everyone. Today, I'm here with Izmirna, and we are going to do the part two of identity that Danielle and Elsie started. Um, we're going to focus in, because it is Women's History Month, on Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman. And we are going to talk about the last six verses in specific. Um, Ismirna, could you read those last six verses for us? Sure. Okay, so starting with verse 25, it says, Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Mm. Um, I think let's start with that first verse Um, in my version NIV right now it says she is clothed with strength and dignity she can laugh at the days to come honestly just stop right there for a moment can I laugh at the days to come right the fact that she can laugh <laughs> as she knows because like the days to come okay they're full of uncertainty. Obviously, she doesn't know the future. Mm. It, it may be filled with a lot of good stuff or it may be filled with a lot of calamity, disaster. Mm. So the fact that she can be confident in the fact that although she has no idea of what the future holds, mm-hmm. she, I think to me, like, it sounds like she's not fearful or scared. Right. Um, laughing at the days to come. You want to know what a calamity is? Tomorrow. Tomorrow's test. That's mm-hmm. going to be my calamity. <laughs> Microbiology. <laughs> all the nursing majors. Um, I have a hard time laughing at that day to come because yeah. I know full well how much it's, how hard it's going to be and how difficult it is. But to be clothed with strength and dignity despite what's to come takes a lot of faith in God. So this Proverbs 31 woman, I think the first point that comes to mind is that she is faithful to first of all God before anyone else Mm -hmm. and it leads straight into um, verse 26 she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue I think I really liked how your verse described it Um, could you read that one more time she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue okay that last part the teaching of kindness is on her tongue lord knows that I could be a viper with my words and that I can <laughs> yeah, really hurt some people. Yeah. When I approach people, I come from a very honest perspective. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it really hurts, like the mm-hmm. words I say. 
And yeah. like my boyfriend has told me, my best friends have told me, my closest friends are like, girl, you're like, with your words, you hurt people. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when I read that, especially when you said that kind of struck a chord with me and it was saying like, kindness is on her tongue. And I want that. Like, I really desire that. And I really, I want to identify well with the Proverbs 31 woman. And in order to do that, I have to be reminded that kindness is on your tongue. So I just think that was such a beautiful way to print out that verse or to display it. Um, In verse 27 and 28, it says, She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Lord knows I can be idle. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Okay, first of all, I see my mom in that verse. I love my mom. 28. My mom, yeah, 27 and 28. Um, my mom does not eat the bread of idleness. That girl is always working. She is always on her grind. and She's always doing her best. And I've always admired that about my mom. She's a, she's a hard worker in everything she does. And in everything she does, she glorifies God. And that's something I want to take hold of in my life as well. And um, yeah. my boyfriend's and, mom and- as well. I see that in her. And looking up to those great women, my boyfriend's mom. Yeah, Yeah, I just see these great women that I look up to and they do not eat the bread of idleness because they're always doing what they got to do. And her children arise and call her blessed. I can for sure say that I see my mom and I see her as blessed. I see my boyfriend's mom and I see her as blessed. And her husband also, he praises her. Isn't that so beautiful? I just think it is. You know what? Yeah, you know what's something I noticed? I thought it was interesting that they that the author used the word idleness because I was thinking about it, I was like, okay, you know, like up to here, she is on her grind. Like you said, she's doing everything she has to do. She's not selfish. She's not just worrying about herself. She's worrying about the people around her, not just her family, but people outside of her circle too, which I think is important because, you know, we can't be the type of people who we just care about those who, you know, are in our circle, but idleness. So eat the bread of idleness. So um the dictionary says idleness means not spent or filled with activity so basically like it's almost like a period of latency and it's like wasting it's wasteful Mm. but she but the this woman in Proverbs 31 doesn't spend her time kind of just like laying around being lazy Mm. waiting for things to pop up and I mean, you can relate it to that too but I think for me you can also relate it to people so I think what is emphasized here too is like you want to surround yourself and spend time with people who um, bring substance into your life and help you grow and, you know, add something to you, not, you know, so I think that just reminded me just like be careful who you surround yourself around. So, Mm. wow, I hadn't, you bring a new light into that. That was a new perspective for me. Because I've never really thought like, oh, idleness is who I surround myself with because like I surround myself with anybody. But it's like, yeah, you need to watch who influences your life because that in itself can be idle. Um, Continuing on, um, we talked about how this woman was called blessed by her children. Mm -hmm. What are um, who are women that you look up to that you identify as blessed? Um, well, I think my mom, I mean, it sounds kind of cliche, but, um, for sure. I mean, my mom, she's a very dedicated, loyal, 
a faithful woman um, of God. And um, that is always something that I have um, admired about her, no matter what she goes through, no matter what, who, who, no matter who does her wrong. Um, she always, I, my mom is really patient and she's really kind and she responds to difficult situations with like patience and always grounding herself in the Lord. And I think that is what has made her the great woman that she is now. Um, and she always has emphasized that for me since I was little. Um, you know, if there's anything that you feel like is so wavering in your life, know that God is ever constant. And so that's really something that I have um, I admired about her. And even like sending about my grandma, my grandma's a really strong woman too. So mm. um, I think other people that I do look up to um, are actually my best friends. Um, honest to goodness, I'm, I might not be their children, but I will arise yeah. and still call them blessed in their yeah. everyday life. Even I'll be honest, the girls on this podcast, I look at you guys and see you as anointed. I see you as blessed because wow. despite us just being peers, I see how God works through your life and how evident you guys want to make it. Because mm-hmm. some people are, cause I will honest to goodness say everyone is blessed. They have received a blessing, but God, but rarely do people let it be evident in their life. Mm-hmm. Some people just hide it away. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying like flaunt it and show it off and everything, but I'm saying glorify God through that. Like, you know, you're blessed. You know, yeah. if you're on Andrews University, you're not paying that much money for nothing. You're blessed. You're here yeah. for a reason. You are anointed. And that is just so, I love how people take initiative in their lives and they do something with their purpose and their calling because they are blessed and because they want to yeah. bless other people. Yeah. Um, I Sorry. No, I just want to say, I think that's really um, great that, you know, because we're young, we're, you know, 20. And I think we were at the point where we have recognized, yes, the Lord has placed a calling on our lives and we have a purpose and we need to act on it. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. something that, you know, we're striving for, um, which is why like we want to encourage other people to do that too. So, mm, yes. Um, so if we go down to 29, 30 and 31, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her. For all that her hands have done. Let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Let's talk about 30 real quick. Charm is deceiving, <laughs> yeah. deceptive, and beauty is fleeting. Do you think you're a beautiful woman? Do you think you're charmful? Let's be out and open and honest right now. Do I? I think, yes, I think I'm a beautiful woman. Okay, for yeah. sure. <laughs> okay, I love that. Well, I don't I think I've ever okay. No, yeah. I think that's a very important question to ask all women, everyone, yeah. actually, not even women, ask men too. But it's like, do you think you're beautiful? Do you think you're worthy to be praised? Mm-hmm. And sometimes people are like, no, no, like, why would I think that? Of course not. And I get it. Like, be humble. Of right, course. right. Yeah. But take confidence in who you are. Yeah. Take confidence in who you've become. And take confidence in who you're becoming because 
charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. I will admit, you know what? I'm not that bad looking, honest to goodness. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Mm-hmm. And that's the keynote there. It's, you, is that evident? Does mm. that? I think that has to be something that that outshines everything else. Our charm, our like outward beauty, like the fear of the Lord in our lives. And I think it, it becomes evident. Like in the next verse, it's give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gaze. So for me, I think that means it's like her actions speak for herself. Mm. I think people people can people sense in a, such an abiding presence of God in her life that she doesn't even need to verbalize she doesn't need to be like I believe in God I love God you know like her actions speak for herself and I think that's really important too yeah I absolutely I think this verse is especially 30 and 31 is so valuable honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate because it's not your looks that will get you far but mm-hmm. It's your inward spirit. It's the way you yeah. praise God. It's the way that you love others and the kindness of your tongue. That's what gets you far. And in this day and age, it's hard. It is because you see what you see and you like what you see that you don't see what's inside. Yeah, it is. And I think it's really hard because like then now we have that tendency of like comparing ourselves even mm-hmm. to people that we admire. You know, it's good to have inspirations. Like I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think we have to be careful of how much we allow that whether other person or people to to be the standard to which we define beauty and excellence so Mm. and that right there is the perfect segue to what I was gonna talk about (laughs) next um who have you compared yourself to and why um I think growing up you know like there's always this one cool cool girl in school or in your class where it's like she's so much prettier she's so much smarter you know what there was I'm really sure I'm only 411 so I know growing up it was like everybody was just so much taller even if they were average height I just always felt left out because I was shorter I always had to be looking up just to like see everybody and so um I just like always wanted to be tall just to feel included which sounds really bad but um that was just a thing that that I had and so yeah I think it was always just just people who I felt were outwardly like physically Mm. looked better than me um had a prettier smile had they were taller they were skinnier for sure like I remember Mm. I remember girls like in church, you know how when you sit down, sometimes your thighs, like they just spread a little bit. <laughs> they like clump together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I wasn't like super, I wasn't like super stick skinny, like the other girls in church. So I remember like when they would sit down, their legs would look just the same as when they were standing up. But when I would sit down, they would get a little bit bigger. And I was like, uh, I don't like that. It's not really normal to me. <laughs> Yeah, but even, like, those little things, like, it started from there where I was, like, wow, I don't really like this about myself. Mm. Um, So, yeah, that's how it looked like for me growing up. I think oftentimes, if I'm being honest, it wasn't the outward appearance that kind of got me jealous, but the inward appearance. 
Like when I saw someone had a closer relationship with God and they showed it, I would be envious of the relationship they had with God. Oh, it was terrible. It's really terrible. But there are people where I've been like, oh, they're just fake about it. Like they're not really like that. You know, I can mm-hmm. viper with my words. Let me just say <laughs> I am a viper with my words. But I think I was quickly humbled. I'm reminded of when Mary Magdalene poured the oil on Jesus's feet and then they were like, why would she do that? And then God stopped them and was like, let her do what she needs to do. You know, like, let her glorify me in the way that she needs to. And in the same way, it's like, there's no competition. There is no competition with your relationship with God and with others. And I've learned that, like, growing up, I've learned that there's no competition with your relationship with God and with others because it's a personal journey. Mm -hmm. I can't compare mine with anyone but myself. And although I can be inspired by other people, that journey is with me and God. And it's always going to be like that. But comparison is something that I'm sure many, many women and men have had issues with. Because who hasn't like thought, well, look at her or well, look at him. Or what is it that she has that I don't have? Why did he choose her and not me? Lord, <laughs> Yeah. Um, it's kind of crazy, but I will say, I'm going to tie this into nursing school because I think me and you are both confident in the fact that we were called to be nurses mm-hmm. and we felt an inclination to go into nursing school because we're not doing microbio or pathophys for fun. Yeah, like, this is not out of our own free will. <laughs> this is a calling. Yeah. But I think I've often compared myself with the girls in nursing school who are on it. Like, they're just so intelligent. And I, I love their intelligence. I do. I love how smart they are and how intact they are in class and how they make everything seem like, oh, this yeah. works. This is perfect. But yeah. I always had to be like, no, I have to try a little harder in everything. I've always had to try a little harder. And I've compared myself and I was like, well, why do, why is it so easy for them? Am I not called to be a nurse God? When we're talking about identity, um, we tie it into our calling as well. But I think there's a difference and we have to remember that your calling is the God impact you are created to make on the world and can never be contained in a career. A career is what you do for a living, but your calling is what you do with your life. You can clock out of your job, but you can never clock out of your calling. And I just have to be reminded of that where it's like, of course, it's going to look different for me, the girl next to me, the guy next to me. It's going to be different for everyone. But your calling is personal within you and God. And it's something you strive for with that God has inspired you to do. Yeah, it goes beyond, um, you know, what you like we're working now like four years we're working towards a goal which is to graduate nurse school become nurses and you know whatever comes after that but that's not the only thing that's not the only reason why we're working so hard to to do what we want to do and it and um you know we don't want to be just good nurses we want to um show the love of christ through that but that's not the only avenue we do it through Mm. um so, yeah, I really like that. Um, well, I think we're going to also tie this into the cultural aspect of what a woman was supposed to be like 
in your culture. Um, as for you, um, how is that for you? Um, so I have um, a combination of two cultures. I am half Mexican and half Venezuelan. I think that's well, yeah. So my dad's from Venezuela, my mom's from Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was talking to my mom about this. I was like, I, I know. I don't know if you ever heard of the term like machismo. Um, oh yes, have I you? have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I knew what that was, um, but I was talking to my mom about it and. There are so many different layers to that. There are like different types of machismos. Like, like you can be like a low key machismo, and you can be like blatantly dominant machismo or machista. Sorry. Can and, you describe um, that for me? Like for those who might not know what that is. Yes. So I guess my mom explained to me like in three levels. So basically, I guess an overall definition would be um, that to I guess encompass that attitude or lifestyle of of um machismo is to basically be you're the one in charge without compromise um what you say goes so there's really no partnership between you and like whether it's you know your your partner your spouse um and that you know trickles into the rest of your um, relationships so um so I guess like a modest one could be like could be very like passive so this is like you know women here don't really see like the red flags it's super low-key so it's like um the, the guy will be like oh you look so good like um in that dress or you look so good when you do your hair like this but it's not really out of a genuine compliment it's because you know he doesn't want you looking um looking what's the word looking um like not good so mm-hmm. it's more like how it the way you look represents how he looks not because he cares about how you look mm. um, um and another one could be like oh you take care of the kids so much better than me but it's, it's not because, I mean, they probably do, but it's just a cop out for them just to not fulfill their responsibilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess like a, um, the next level would be like, I think it was like a moderate. So it's like, you can go out, but you have to be back at a certain time. And, gonna go out with? and for how long are you going to be out with? Or I'm going to tell you how long you're going to be out with. Or here's this amount of money. You can only spend this much for groceries which will feed every every member in this household and if you run out well then you have to figure it out so um it's very one-sided um and then extreme would be like you have complete control like the woman has no opinion um you know like what i say is the law and Mm. they're very demanding um like they call the shots um you know it's it's very like I think the man makes it like like hell for her really and and um it's very toxic so um yeah so that's kind of what that is it's also just having that mindset of women are not useful except for what um you know society says they are which is like to cook clean stay home and take care of the kids um other than that, they really have no value. So that's really what 
that's like a summary of what um, a machista is in my culture. Mm. How has that reflected in your family dynamics? Um, you know what? Thank God that I never experienced that like firsthand. Um, my parents have a very healthy relationship and so do my grandparents on my mom's side. I never met I never met my my grandparents on my dad. So my dad's parents. But um yeah, from the Mexican culture, I think my mom my mom saw that not from not from her parents but from her extended family. Um, and she said it was very, like the women suffered. Um, it was very hard for them to have their own opinion. And they constantly had to be at the service of their husband. And so, um, yeah, it's not, it's not a good thing at all. I think in terms of Filipino culture, this varies, like depending on your region of where you are in the Philippines. But it has been like stated to my parents and like them growing up in the Philippines and moving on to be immigrants in America. They've expressed that like growing up, my mom was doing a lot of the cleaning and the cooking and she's had to stay home. But I think, well, we'll talk about culture first and then I'll talk about my family dynamic. But culturally, women took care of the house. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of it's typical. You hear that a lot from many cultures that oh women stay in the house clean and cook like make sure you're like like the man will go out to go to the fields and work and they'll come back home and the wife will have a dinner prepared it's very yeah old-fashioned per se that that's the word old-fashioned yeah yeah it's it's kind of old-fashioned but I'll speak upon my family dynamics and this has kind of changed my outlook on many things because obviously it's how I was raised. But my grandparents were would tell my uncle, no, stay in the field with me and work so that we can have your sisters go to school and have an education. And that amazed me. Wow. Like growing up, my, my mom would tell stories like, no, your uncle would have to stay and work in the field just so that me and my sisters could go to college. And he didn't go to college. Like he had to have his wait his turn and pr- have us be provided for before he could go to college and that kind of shift the gears in terms of stereotypical stay in the house and clean and cook and have the man get the education or whatever and that changed a lot of things and I think that also ties into my family dynamics now where it's both my mom and my dad and the children, both male and female, that do cooking and cleaning yeah. and, and working and staying home. Like there's no there's no set role for each person, but to love each other unconditionally and to support each other in everything. And I'll be honest, like I do wish I was a better cook and I could clean a little bit better. I love cleaning. <laughs> and cooking, but my brother takes like takes the cake for that he's great at the cooking and cleaning and I take more of the oh I'm great at working like I'm I'm more of a worker and Mm -hmm. it's always been opposite for us and some sometimes my grandparents will like laugh at us like oh you guys have traded places Mm -hmm. Um, oh it's different for you guys but I love how when we see our identity and we see our purpose and how we've grown up it was never set in stone like it's never like 
a solid definition but more it was a way of loving and a way of supporting mm-hmm. and a way of just coming together you know there was no set role of who's in the house and who's at work and who does this and who does that but it's more of like love your neighbor as yourself let me cook right. for you let me clean mm-hmm. for you because i love you yeah. but let me do that back you know it's like a back and forth and i think that's something i want to take into my own family in the future and people that i love i want to share that where it's not set roles but it's a dynamic of love for one another right yeah i agree with that um i think what's good is now like i think our like our parents are raising us to not conform to what these like gender roles are like women are supposed to clean the guys supposed to be out working and we can do both and my parents like what's good about their um partnership too is like my dad's really good at cooking and my mom's my mom can cook but she can clean even better so I mean like it's a balance I think it's a good balance and I think that's something that they're trying to instill in us um and you know my extended family too my aunts my you know they're they're trying to teach their kids the same too and um to really shift that idea um so yeah I I absolutely agree um I think overall if someone were to ask you Ismirna what is your calling like what's your purpose what would be your response um I think I think my response would be I think if I were to define, I guess, what my calling, what my calling or what my identity is. Uh, Let's go with your calling first. Okay. If I were, okay, my calling, I think my calling would be to serve God in whatever capacity I'm in. Like, I want to be a nurse. That is my goal. Like, May 2023, I want to get that diploma. Um, that would be a capacity I, w- I would love to serve God um, in. But I also don't know how things will look like in the future. And I think what's really great about calling is that it's not, I don't think it's just set on one thing. And we talked about that earlier. Um, it's encompasses a lot of different things. And it's not like restricted to what we think it might be or even what we hope to be because um you know I think it's when it comes to being like a follower of Christ it's all about flexibility and just changing because you never really know what's next um so I think my calling would be to serve God in whatever capacity I'm in I think that's what my calling is Mm. And how does that tie into your identity? Um, you know what? I was thinking about that earlier last night and I was like, okay, well, what would that, what does that look like for me? And I think for me is if, if I want to fill myself with like Christ, then I, I think, first of all, I needed to realize that I need to like get something empty first. So I, there's a verse, I think that's, it's in Luke 9, 23. It's like, 
it's um it's um if anyone comes after me carry your cross like deny yourself and carry your cross every day and so I think for me it's like first I think my identity in Christ to get there I think I need to recognize the necessity I have for a savior and um work on really just dying to self every single day because I need room for Christ to go for Christ in my heart and so I think that's where it started because then if I do that then I have the capacity to um be hidden in Christ and um um be renewed like in the image of of my creator so that's what I think my identity is I I absolutely agree with that and I know a lot of people have a hard time identifying that calling and and how that ties into your identity but I think the overall theme of this conversation is that God has commissioned us to be missionaries Mm -hmm. representing his hands and feet on the earth and we don't have to be old we don't have to travel across the world to be used by God the Bible says God chose the exact time and place in which you would live he would put you around certain people because he knew that you could express his love to them in a way that no one else could because you are the church, you know, and wherever you are, whoever you're with, God has created you to make a difference in the lives of others. And I love how you stated that in, in terms of nursing, because I agree with that. And God is intentional and makes no mistakes. I really believe in that. God will make much out of what you consider is small because he only needs you to go. Mm. And I think that ties directly into how I feel what my calling is, is to be living proof of a loving God. Because in what I can do, no matter whether it's singing up front or for proximity or for going to clinicals as a nurse or to my professors, to my cohort, to my best friends, to my boyfriend, to his family, to their friends, if I am living proof of a loving God, my purpose has been served and that's my identity. Wow, I really love that. So thank you for joining this conversation today. Um, This was Izmirna and Ashley for part two of Identity and join us next time for our talk on relationship.